Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Mandy Hunt and Laura Hancock. In this episode of the podcast, we're discussing how brokers and underwriters can benefit from the Financial Conduct Authority's consumer duty regulations. The new duty sets out higher and clearer standards of consumer protection across financial services and requires firms to put their customers' needs first. We're joined by Mandy Hunt, Chair of the Society of Underwriting Professionals, and Laura Hancock, Chair of the Society of Insurance Broking. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's my conversation with Mandy and Laura. Hello, Mandy. Hello, Laura. And thank you very much for joining us on CII Radio. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure to, to have you with us today. Thanks a lot. To begin with, one of the principles of the new consumer duty is that it requires firms to act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. It will be really interesting to hear how this will impact the work of underwriters and brokers. To start with, Mandy, what effects will this have or what effect is it already having on the underwriting sector? So, I guess at the heart of the duty is a focus on an outcome, right, which is fair for consumers. And and my heart says that's what we've always been doing, but it's always good to put that wrap it around a framework and then make sure you can you kind of follow it and comply with it. So what the, the duty will do is bring loads of additional focus on things like communications, wordings, pricing, value and fairness, which we, we probably haven't wrapped into one thing in the past. We've probably had individual components. So I think what, what the, the duty does is make us pull that all together into a framework that means we start to look at those things. That doesn't come without a bit of strain, obviously, in terms of trying to get through all of the things in timeframes. But it will only be a good thing in terms of us having the customer and their outcome at the heart of what we're doing. And Laura, would you say this principle of delivering good outcomes will have a similar impact on broking? Is it something that is already obviously at the forefront of brokers' minds? Yes, very much like Mandy, I would say that um, the broking community would stress that this is what we've always done. We've always put the customer first. Since the dawn of time, the regulator has had the treating customers fairly objective that we all train our staff on every year and talk about. I think consumer duty goes one step further in that it establishes that level of care that we're giving to our customers. So, are we treating our customers fairly? It's very easy to say yes to that. The consumer duty does go a step further in that it says you have to demonstrate that your customers really understand what they're buying. And I think it I think it will put a spotlight on what we do and it will encourage us to demonstrate what we do to a much greater degree than maybe we have done in the past. But I would say it it definitely reinforces the role of the broker. Absolutely. Moving on to the outcomes, which the duty outlines. Um, one of these is that firms must ensure consumers receive communications that they understand. This relates to some of the work that the CII has been doing to make insurance policy wording easier to comprehend. But how much of a challenge does this represent for insurers? Laura, what, what are your thoughts from a broken point of view? This has been a challenge again since the dawn of time because the the regulator has always put an emphasis. We had the whole clear, fair and not misleading so that our documents must be clear, fair and not, not misleading. And then they must be in plain English. So we've for a long time, we've had a focus on documentation. But I think if we all put our hands on our hearts, we would say that clients 
generally don't read the documents in the level that they need to, to have the, the confidence in what they've bought and to know exactly what they've bought. So if we were trying to prove that our customers know what they've bought, I think we've all got a duty to, to do work around the documents as well. So as brokers in particular, the covering email that goes out with the with the documents and the conversations that we have are not just here's your documents thanks for another year's insurance it's here's your documents uh, the endorsements are shown here the important points are here don't uh, the covers changed here so our job as brokers is to is to uh, explain those documents and to make them accessible but it is a huge challenge we have to get a wording out we have to get endorsements out we have that there's so much that goes out to policyholders um that it is quite a job to make that uh really clear so that the customers really understand what what they're buying so it is a challenge and i think it's one that i think as an industry we always need to keep a spotlight on uh, mandy would you agree with that what are your thoughts from an underwriting perspective on clearer communications yeah, I mean, that's at the heart of everything, isn't it? But I mean, firstly, I was part of the group that looked at that policy wording stuff in the in light of COVID, and that was brilliant, right? So different people's perspectives from each part of the sector having a conversation about what we should, the, the standards we should set. And when you read that document that the CII produced, I think it says a reading age of 13 for policy wordings. Well, my guess is that probably wasn't what, you know, when we set wordings 50 or 60 years ago that we probably still use in some areas, we weren't thinking in those, those kind of terms. But insurance is a legal contract, right? We, we can't ignore the fact it is still a contract at law. And therefore, I guess over time, we've had a history of a style of wording that has tried to meet those legal duties. But as we move forward and, and absolutely to what Laura said, we need to get clearer about those things. I think we've seen a move in that in personal lines. You pick up a personal lines policy wording and you see what is covered and what is not covered. And whilst I'm sure there's still more work to do across the sector, I think that's taken us in a big directional leap in terms of where we want to get, get to with wordings. I think in commercial, we've still got a bit of work to do. Um, and we, we shouldn't pretend otherwise. The, the pandemic gave us a little bit of a, an insight into that. Um, we've certainly got policy wording committees that we run on a weekly basis. And some of those are kind of big strategic changes, like a reinsurance wording change that might come in. And some of them are a much more granular in kind of conversation. So, you know, in an example, Laura might come and say, man, we've got a problem. I don't understand this wording. I can't explain it. And we would take it to that forum where we bring legal experts, claims experts, underwriting experts, and sometimes just somebody looking from the outside in going, hmm, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Can we make it easier? So we're trying to do loads of things internally to try and make the external part better. But communication is at the heart of it. And we've got to do it in a speedy and clear way. But we've got many, many years of historical legislation and case law that's probably got us to this place. So um, we're trying to move as quickly as we can against the backdrop of that. It's encouraging to hear that there is progress, of course, being made and, and the, about the collaboration that goes on as well between different areas of insurance. Laura, another of the duty outcomes rules is around ensuring consumers get the products and services that meet their needs. This seems to highlight the role of brokers even further. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, as an advocate for the broken community, I would say there's a, there's a really strong argument for, for customers buying their insurance through a broker in terms of getting the best products and services. Uh, brokers are ideally placed to look at the market, to compare wordings, to, to uh, look at a, a client's needs and to recommend the best product. The consumer duty, as you, as you mentioned, has, has an outcome here around ensuring they get the best products and services. And I think uh, the PROD4 legislation that came out of the regulator prior to this um, 
meant that there's a big body of work that's been done around product value and making sure that the products that are being sold represent good value and good outcomes for the customer. So I think it's in the duty, I, I might be wrong, but I think it says basically if you've done this work around Prod4, then you're going to be compliant with that particular outcome. So yes, brokers have a huge part to play. There's been challenges around getting all of the product value assessments out of insurers uh, in a consistent and usable fashion. But we've all, as brokers, gone through a very time-consuming but worthwhile exercise in looking at everything we sell, making sure we've assessed the value, and then uh, working that into our into our regimes and our own businesses. So yeah, I think Prod4 has supported this, but I would say of all the outcomes, brokers are going to be there if they've done the Prod4 work. And Mandy, a significant theme of the duty overall is, is really is supporting customers. How can underwriters and other insurance professionals um, ensure that consumers receive the support they need? Well, I think to start with a couple of questions back, Laura really outlined that communication is critical in all of this, whether that's a digital journey or a kind of tripartite between broker, customer and insurer. We've absolutely got to get the level of communication right. And and our responsibility as insurers is to think about it all the time. And just to bring that to life. So we've suffered a family bereavement in the last few months. Um, and it is really interesting following a journey of trying to remove my father-in-law's name from documentation. Now, I'm not doing it, so I'm just watching from afar. And you've got some people who are massively sympathetic and want to do the right thing and, and make it easy. And then you've got other people that go, can I speak to the policyholder? And you can't, right? And, and those things are emotionally challenging. The person trying to make that change really frustrated and, and they're not a great customer experience. I think if we as insurers can put ourselves in the shoes of our customers on all of those journeys and think about the communication we deliver, then that will get us on the right path, right? That's a really basic way of thinking about how we, we inter, interact with customers and make it easy. Clearly, every organization will put things around that to make that right. But I don't know, walk in the shoes of our customers and I think you'll get to a really good outcome. Easier said than done, I know. Um, but for me, that kind of basic level of thinking will get us a long way in, in getting this right. Thank you, Mandy. It's, it's incredibly insightful to hear the personal side of this. And as you say, putting yourself in the customer's shoes and, and how powerfully that highlights the improvements that, that can still be made. Yeah, absolutely. Lots to do. Indeed. So taking a slightly different angle, how do you both see the changes um, brought about by the consumer duty requirements having an impact on the way that brokers and underwriters deal with business clients? Mandy, would you like to give us some, some thoughts on that? But probably only in a good way is where I sit, to be honest. I, I might have been somebody sitting 18 months ago thinking about product governance or prod four, thinking this is going to be really tough and how much work we're going to do. And, you know, I've got a few more gray hairs. But the reality is going through that process was amazing because we uncovered things about products. We understood things in a greater detail. And that means we only look at outcomes that are going to be better for customers. So this is only going to be a good thing for any policyholder, whether you're a consumer or a customer or an SME. I think you're going to feel a benefit. Um, I think we should have a sense of pride that we're going to do it, but we shouldn't ignore the fact that there's lots of things to get at. And every organization, as I said before, will put, um, put kind of rules around it that will make it interesting for us all to navigate. What we have to do, though, is when we put all of those rules around things, recognize that hey, you can have all the most brilliant processes in the world. I guess to my personal example, if they just don't work and people don't understand them, 
that's no good. So, you know, when the person said, can we speak to the policyholder to remove their name, not linking the fact that the person had passed away, that's just following a process. Whereas actually, if we got into things like vulnerable customer conversations and what, what that means, either all the time or for part of a journey, then we would start to kind of get there. So I think we've got to bring a load of training stuff in to help us with our customers and how we do that, depending on the customer we'll talk to, we'll have loads of different levels. So that's certainly something we're looking at in terms of how we enhance our understanding of customer journeys. And Laura, would you agree with that from from a broken point of view? Yes, I would. I think... um... As I said at the, at the very start of this, I think the broken community would say that customers have always been at the heart of everything that that we do. And I think the thing that will go into your question, the thing that will have an impact on us that coming out of consumer duty is evidencing that we are sense checking that our customers do know what they're buying and that they do understand their cover. Um, and I think None of us could say, yes, go talk to all of my clients. They all understand hand on heart exactly what they've bought. Some of them, and lots of it's down to your customer's attitude to risk. So if your customer's quite cautious, they want to read their wording uh, very carefully, but there'll be others who who know they need to buy the policy because it fulfills a legal requirement or because they, they just need it and they don't read the wording. So the change, I think, with consumer duty will be that we'll all be sitting there saying, have we done the right thing, not have we been compliant in the way that we think we've sold it and doing the right thing will be tested by talking to our customers. Absolutely. Um, And you are both chairs of two of our CII societies. Uh, I appreciate, Laura, you've only recently become (laughs) become chair, but of course, been a member of of the Broken Society. Um, How are members viewing the new duty? Um, Of course, we've heard it is a great opportunity for for the profession to do things better. But are there also challenges that professionals are facing with meeting the new requirements? Um, Laura, what would you say um, the view of brokers is in that regard? Consumer duty is obviously on on its way and it follows hot on the heels of Prod4. And I kind of put them together because they they are linked, as as I talked about with the product value work. Um, I think think the way the product value work has been rolled out from the regulator and into the the industry has, has meant that there's been lots of hairs running in different directions in terms of data that needs to be captured and and sometimes when when a, a, a compliance job is that big you lose sight of the important bit so i think consumer duty is actually quite refreshing because if you read the consumer duty guidance from the regulator it, it talks about what we're all supposed to be doing our obligations and that customers are, and, and and it it resonates with us because i'm sure mandy will agree but as brokers and insurers we want the customers to be looked after uh, in the event of a claim we want we want that we want the right outcome for them. So I think the members of, of the society, the, the brokers out there will say we've had a huge amount of work to do, but I think ultimately it will be for, for good outcomes in, in, and the advancement of our profession in the, in the long run. And Mandy, any further thoughts on what you're hearing from the underwriting society members or underwriters in general about any challenges that they feel are associated with the new duty or what they think about it? I think there's broadly there's two. I guess it's a new duty, right? So at the minute, it probably is trying to figure our way through a process and we need to evolve into this is just how we do things around here, um, which like anything new will always take a little bit of time. But I think there's two key areas, really. So the first is data. Um, so if you look at the mix of people in uh, from an insurance company point of view or an MGA, we've got companies that are three or four years old and some like my own that are 310 years old. So the quality of data um, 
you know, we haven't got systems that were built for a consumer duty. We've got systems that were built in, you know, 1960 that were dealing with the things that people were being asked to do then. So, so we've got to be able to extract data that we might not have had to do before. We've got to find ways to get around that and create kind of that data space that gives us some of the responses we need to the questions. And I think that that's going to be a challenge. Legacy systems, merging organizations will be interesting. Um, and I think the other one is just time, right? So you've got to understand the duty. You've got to do your prod four stuff. Um, and for, for many of us, that was, you know, there were three parts to that target market statements, the, our own internal their value bit, and then the broker assessment of value as well, and putting that all in, into one piece of work. And then you add the things that come with consumer duty, like checking policy wordings, communications. Um, we just need some time. Right. And that time is a gift and it's it's being you're trying to do it against your day job, but making sure this is your day job. And so there's just a balancing act, I think. So for me, it's time and data are the two biggest challenges I think that insurers will face over the next you know, 12 to 18 months as we embed. This is, as I said earlier, into this is just how we do stuff around here. Thanks, Mandy. And any final thoughts from you both on on the duty in general, on your areas in broking and in underwriting, or in fact, where listeners can go for more information and to get support? Yeah, I, I think I think my my final thought on it, and, and if there's brokers listening, then I think, as I said, brokers have been doing this for a long time, but what they haven't been doing for a long time is proving it. So I think that monitoring um, monitoring your implementation of the duty into everything that you do, not not just mentioning it at your board meetings, making sure it's embedded in your culture that all your staff understand it, that you can analyze the outcomes, that where you where you find out that your customers don't understand what they've bought, what 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 can you learn from that and how can you move on and adapt from it? So I think that's the bit we've the, the big piece of work we've all got to do as brokers now is how we embed it, how we prove it, how we monitor it and how we learn from it. And I think yeah, uh, I I don't think that will come naturally to every firm out there. So that that as you say, there's there's places you can go to get support. And and our business here, we've we've got compliance consultants have been brilliant in in simplifying some of the language that's coming out of the regulator and telling us what we need to do. Uh, Bieber for for brokers is has there's lots of resource there on on how to work through consumer duty, and obviously the CII as well have done a good practice guide on the subject. So. Get that information, read it, share it at board meetings, talk about it in your business and make sure that your staff know what the act is all about. (laughs) Absolutely. And Mandy, any final thoughts from you? So, so I am celebrating consumer duty and prod four before it because I think I think the intention of those things is only a good thing. Um, That doesn't mean it doesn't come with some pain in terms of time, as I've said, but it is a good thing. And as a consumer myself, I celebrate that stuff. Um, I think in terms of what you can do to to educate yourself. Well, the FCA, I guess, have got a whole page on it that you can start with. Um, And certainly we we found ourselves asking questions of them and they give you as much guidance as they can. There are other market associations, Laura mentioned Bieber, but the LMA have got some stuff that they've been doing as well. The CII have done some things. And I think the other place is some of the accountancy firms who obviously um, will be supporting businesses through some of this have also got guidance. I don't think a you know a quick Google search will get you some stuff. Um, but there's lots of people out there that are ex- experiencing it together. And I think just reaching out to people to have a good conversation um, is, is equally good. 
Absolutely. Talking to those uh, in, in your area, in your profession and other CIA members is, yeah, can be invaluable, I'm sure. And we'll certainly reference those resources on the journal website, uh, as well as links to our society pages um, alongside this episode. So all that remains is for me to thank you, Mandy and Laura, for, for joining us today. It's been incredibly insightful and it's uh, a real pleasure to talk to you both. So thanks for joining us on CIA Radio. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to find out more, you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, thanks for listening to CII Radio and goodbye. <laughs>